What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week I'm here speaking with Kelly Exeter about practical perfection. If you've ever felt overwhelmed or burned out or like just you're a hamster on a wheel, like working and working and working and not getting anywhere, you're really going to enjoy this super practical and actionable conversation with Kelly about her model of practical perfection. So Kelly shares her story about how she went through severe burnout and depression and then her process of recovery from that and how she developed this three-part model. So Kelly's going to talk about these three pillars, which are passion, priorities, and productivity, and how you can, based on how you're feeling and, and what you're sensing, what you're experiencing in your life, you can adjust the three of these to bring you into that sweet spot of practical perfection. Okay, let's get ourselves out of overwhelm and unstuck and start moving towards practical perfection. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. So, Kelly, I really wanted to have you on the show because we met, oh gosh, back in March, I guess. And you gave me a copy of your book, Practical Perfection. And when I read it, I just thought, wow, this is a message that needs to be shared with the wellpreneurs that listen to my podcast because perfection, I think that's a problem (laughs) that a lot of us have holding ourselves to these crazy high standards. So I'm so glad you could be here to talk with us about that. Oh, cool. I'm so, yeah, I'm very, obviously I wrote a book about it. So it's something I'm very passionate about helping people get on top of. So yeah, I'm excited to talk with you about it. Awesome. So tell us your story and how you came to struggle with this yourself and ultimately write the book. Yeah. So about six years ago, I found myself in a very, very bad place. So what had happened, I'd started a business three years previous to that. And then as most of your listeners will know, running a business is pretty full on. And then I um, had my son, my first child, I've got two now, but had him. And, you know, I was trying to be the perfect person running this business, like trying to run this business perfectly. And then, you know, then I added motherhood into the mix as trying to be this perfect mum. And I I think the major, major problem for me was that my whole personal brand was built around being someone who had really had their shit together. So that was kind of my personal brand. And I was really quite proud of that personal brand. And so everything I was you know, doing was towards that. So I, you know, I had my baby and I never took any time off work. And, you know, we were building a house at the time and people were looking at me going, how on earth are you doing all of this? Because you're still running your business and you've got this brand new baby and you look great. You've gotten your baby body, you know, your pre-baby body back and all that stuff. And I had done all that stuff because that was my brand. And, you know, of course, what happened was that all of that took a lot of effort and there was a lot of stress involved in doing all of that and of course that stress kind of triggered off anxiety for me which then led to depression and 
anyone who's ever struggled with depression knows that people with depression are very good at hiding it. So what I was also doing was really struggling mentally, but still putting this face out to the world of someone who had it all going on and had life under control and you know, was just on top of everything. And that all came to a head one day when I had a total breakdown, which is quite unsurprising. And that even wasn't actually even rock bottom having the breakdown. I had the breakdown at work and luckily my husband just happened to be on long service leave at the time from teaching and he was kind of able to step in and take over the business because he didn't want to shut the business down because it was a good business. So he sent me home to kind of get better and I didn't get better. I got worse. I was happened to be pregnant at the time. I had a miscarriage. It was my fourth miscarriage in a row. It was my fourth miscarriage in 18 months which gives a, probably a picture of what my physical health was like. And it was after that miscarriage that I kind of really hit rock bottom and found myself in my kitchen on the floor, wondering if the world would be a better place without me in it. So, you know, it was a, it took about two years to really, you know, of a, two years of progression to get to that point. So two years of just utter, complete overwhelm and stress, triggering anxiety, triggering depression to lead me to that place in time. But it was all off the back of me wanting to present this perfect face to the world of someone who really had everything going on. And so it was a long road back from there. It took me, you know, a good three or four years to really get back on top of life and get to a really good place from that really dark place. And that's kind of what I lay out in the book is the management techniques and the frameworks and the mindsets that help me kind of drop that need for perfection in every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing like how long that took for you to get back on top of things too. Because I think we, you know, we all just want, we just want it now. We want it fixed yeah. and we want it now. <laughs> like we want to launch a business and have it be super successful right now. And like you were saying, like it's a, and just like with a health issue, you know, it's a progression to yep. get to this point of where you're so bad that you make the, you finally, you know, hit the point where you're going to do something to change it. And then it's not just something that changes overnight. It takes a while to to really change all of that and, and come back. Oh, it does. And I mean, I say, I think I say in the book that it, you know, it's not a linear progression. It's not like each day is better than the last. It's, you know, you take two steps forward, one step back, you'll take a step sideways. Um, people like me, I'm not going to speak for your listeners and say people like us, but people like me who have these perfectionist tendencies, we are very good at self-sabotage as well. So when what I found was I had, you know, I went to therapy and I got, you know, I worked with my therapist to figure out ways to deal with these mindsets. And what I found was when life was going good and everything was nice and smooth, it was very easy to stick to those mindsets and make those forward progressions. But as soon as life got a little bit pressured, what I did was revert to the only behavior that I knew, you know, my kind of preferred coping mechanism and my preferred coping mechanism for when life got stressful was to do more. I don't know, you know, and I think that this is something that's quite common as well is that for whatever reason, the more pressure we get, we think the more that we do, taking action is good, but not always in this situation. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny that our reaction would be to do more? But I know that that's completely accurate. I mean, that totally yeah. happens. You're like, well, maybe if I just work harder and do more, then 
as you know, I don't know. I don't know how we think that's going to fix it, but <laughs> I think what the thing is is I think that when the worst mental state you get into or the worst place you get into in your life, the more you're looking for answers and you're just thinking the answer is out there. I just need to try as many things as possible because if I don't try this thing, what if that's the answer and what if I miss out on that? You know, that mm. so there's this real fear of missing out on that thing that could be, you know, that's going to change everything for us. And kind of, so that's what I spent two years doing was thinking like, if I just try this and if I just try that, that that might be be my ticket out of this place. And in the end, the only ticket out of that place was just consistent forward motion rather than looking for that one thing that was going to make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Because the one thing, the one thing doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in business. Like there's not one thing in business that's going to suddenly make everything amazing. And there's not one thing in life that's suddenly going to make anything amazing. It's it's a real ongoing progression and self-awareness and self-acceptance, which is, you know, themes I talk about in the book. So speaking of the book, I really like that you talked about these three elements that you need in your life, which is passions, priorities, and productivity. And it's the the overlap of all of those that, you know, is where the sweet spot is, I guess. Can you talk yeah. to us about those a bit? Yeah. So when I kind of looked back like you know so I wrote this book looking back from a very good place towards where I had been and when I kind of tried to figure out like well what's the difference between now where things are good and then when things weren't so good and I kind of figured out that what it was is I had these three things happening and these three things are quite specific to people who are quite highly driven they want to set big goals and go after those big goals, but also want to be good people and be present for the people in their lives. So, yes, yeah, so I figured that we need to have our passions because what our passions are, are they're quite big stress buffers. So I kind of, at the time I was like going, there are people who seem to be able to handle, and not that I'm saying we should all be able to handle boatloads of stress, but stress is a part of life and how we kind of deal with that stress really has a big impact on how we're able to develop as people. So I was looking at people who were able to cope with reasonably large amounts of stress without going to pieces. And what I realized was that they really had this strong core passion. So there was something that they were doing every single day that was really lighting them up inside. And what I find is when life gets busy and stressful, those are the things that really tend to slip pass like we let those things go because we say they're not that important in the big scheme of things when we've got all this stuff going on when the reality is they're super important because they're the things that kind of keep us on an even keel so for me writing was a massive passion and health was a massive passion so I had let both those things slip in the kind of the darker years so I got busy getting my uh, writing and a, a daily writing and exercise habit back into my life and what what I've noticed, like say this year and last year have been really, really stressful years. But because I have these daily practices in my life that are just for me and they feed my passion, feed my passion for helping people as well. Like I really feel that those things buffer the the external stresses in my life. And so that was one element that I found you need to have. The other, the other two, so one was priorities. And this is something we hear a lot all the time, you just need to prioritize your time better. And a lot of people just go, yeah, but how? How do I prioritize all these things in my life that are super important like this? You know, I've got 20 things that are super important. How do I rank them? And ultimately, 
it comes down to kind of two main things. One is values. And again, this is something that's very difficult. Like you can't just go online, fill in a 20 question questionnaire and bang, it's going to pump out your values for you. <laughs> and, you know, we uh, we wish, but it just doesn't work like that. And also it's not helpful that values are constantly evolving things depending on where we are in life and what challenges we're facing. But it's important, and I do have some exercises in the book that help people figure out their values, and I'm sure you probably have some too, Amanda. But once you check in with your values and once you know what is really, really important to you and say, for me, achievement and recognition are important to me, but so too are my family. And they're the main, main three things. For some people, power is a real value. For some people, fame is a real value. For some people, charitability is a real value. So you kind of need to identify your real core values. And what that allows you to do is then when it comes to making decisions with what you're doing with your time, that's where those values come in handy. Because like, for instance, for me, if someone offers me an opportunity that's going to take me away from my family for two weeks, I'm going to say no, no matter how amazing that opportunity is, because I know I just really can't be away from my family for two weeks. Doesn't matter how amazing anything is to, you know, that opportunity can be. If someone offers me something that's going to give me great power, I know that that's all, you know, heaps of money. I know that those things are not something I value greatly, so I can easily walk away from them. But if somebody's going to offer me something that gives recognition by my peers, which is something that's super important to me, then even if that thing might put me under a little pressure, I can go, yes, I know that thing's going to put me under pressure, but it's really important to me, this thing, so I'm going to do it. So what priorities does is it helps deal with overwhelm and all overwhelm is poor us making poor decisions with what we do with our time. So values, understanding those helps us make better decisions with what we do with our time. And the other thing is understanding that we're going to miss out on stuff yeah. also. <laughs> and it is, making peace yeah. with that is really important. That is super important. I feel it, like especially online, there's this huge FOMO, like, oh my gosh, because everyone's showing the amazing things they're doing and the places they're traveling and all the money they made and all they're speaking at TED and they're doing all these yep. incredible things. And like, you can't hardly go on Facebook or Instagram without feeling like you're missing out. And so I like this. You are going to miss out. We're all going to miss out. And every choice you make, even choosing to do every single thing offered to you, you're still going to miss out on stuff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I just think like the day that I kind of made peace with that, because this is what I found really difficult when I had my kids. So Jaden was born seven years ago, Mia was born four-ish years later. And in the first year of their lives, like I was just dying a bit going, you know, I'm mum to a young baby, so I can't you know, I want to do this and I want to do this, I want to do this. And look, this person's getting ahead of me because they don't have kids or their kids are older. And I was fretting about all this stuff. And what I realized kind of, you know, years later, like say me as three and a half now is, yeah, I missed out on stuff. But yeah, I also got, still managed to do a lot of stuff. And that, you know, that first year of their lives where you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not doing enough. It doesn't matter. But yeah, definitely I made peace with the fact that I was going to miss out on some really cool stuff and that was okay. And just getting my head around that made just the hugest difference to the level of overwhelm I was experiencing. Yeah. And I think it can help you be more selective because if you're saying, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to miss out on stuff. 
then you can decide what are those things you really want to include in yeah, your life. That's it. And I mean, it's that old adage as well of, you know, every time you say yes to something, understand you are saying no to something else. So sometimes you're saying no to your family. Sometimes you're saying no to another amazing opportunity. And the other thing that we've got to remember is that we're not always going to get it right. And that's okay. You know, the other thing we tie ourselves up in knots about, and I, I kind of wrote about this in my first book, which is called Your Best Year Ever, is that when we're making decisions, quite often we're trying to make a decision that just absolutely maximizes our future happiness. So we'll find ourselves fretting about, oh, do I accept this invitation to talk to Ted or do I accept this invitation to go have a one-on-one lunch with Seth, Seth, you know, Seth Godin? Like, <laughs> what and, a decision, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just going like, oh, my God, like I've, I've got to make the right decision here. And ultimately it's just like choose one or the other. They're both bloody amazing. Both are going to impact your life in a significant way. Stop trying to extract maximum happiness out of every decision and understand that humans are actually inherently designed to make the best of every situation if we allow ourselves to. So that helps as well with the decision making, I find. Mm -hmm. So what do you Um, recommend, like if you see somebody or if you actually, if you start to feel overwhelmed, like what's a simple thing that we can do? My favoriteest thing for avoiding overwhelm is taking that knee-jerk yes, you know, out of circulation. So what I find is like people like us who are very driven and want to do everything, we say yes first and think, you know, ask questions later. And that's all well and good when you're kind of building and you've got heaps, you know, you're single and you've got heaps of time on your hands and you've got time to, you can stay up till 11 o'clock every night and get up at three o'clock every morning. But like when you've got children and a business and you want to have a life as well, um, what I find is being able to take away that knee-jerk yes makes a huge difference. And the way that I do that is because what most people try to say is just learn to say no. Why can't you say no? It's very difficult when you're that person, that yes person, to suddenly become someone that can just go no to everything, you know, or make a decision in in the moment that, oh, yeah, that sounds great, but no, like who's going to be able to do that? So what I have come up with is six very simple words, which are, let me get back to you. And I know it sounds a bit stupid, but those six simple words have really changed my life. They apply every single place. I use it on my kids when they ask me, can I have an ice cream? You know, I use it on someone who has just someone who I'd love to work with and hugely admire when they ask me to collaborate with them. I never say yes in the moment anymore, no matter how much I know that, yes, I'm going to say yes to this anyway, because I think it's important to buy yourself time to walk away from the situation, look at it in, you know, through the filter of your values and through the filter of what you've actually got going on in your life, and then go back to that person with either a yes or a no. And what I find is that just saying to someone, let me get back to you, lets them know that a no is a possibility so that when you do say no, they're not, you know, you don't have to first, you're not saying it in person. So you're not watching their face crumple in front of you, at which point most of us just go, no, 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 it's okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. Like I can help, you know? So I know it sounds like a silly little thing, but that thing more than anything else has reduced the overwhelm in my life. Cause I have found that once I have gone away from that real in the moment, you know, asking, and had a really good think about it, even some really amazing opportunities to work with amazing people 
I've had to be really honest with myself and go, this is amazing, but you just can't do this right now, Kelly. You just don't have the time. And, you know, then I get to go back to them and go, look, thank you for this opportunity. That It is amazing, but it's just not for me right now. You know, it just doesn't fit in my schedule. And what I do find is that never ends the conversation. Quite often that person will come back the following year and go, look, I know you couldn't do this last year, but what about this other thing? Can you do this instead? And so I've never found that saying no to someone or not for me right now to someone has ever been the end of a conversation. I've always found it actually meet, it's more of a start of a conversation and it leads to opportunities that are more in line with my values and more in line with you know what my schedule can actually handle. Yeah. And honestly, that's so much better. I mean, imagine if you got, you know, you got this opportunity and you jumped at it and you were like, yes, but really you didn't have time. And then the whole time you'd be stressed out, your performance wouldn't be as good and you wouldn't leave as good of an impression with people. And it would just be, you wouldn't really be taking advantage of the opportunity anyway. So like like you said, by saying, no, this can't work for me right now, then you open the door for other things to come in that might be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I just find saying yes to something that you know for well, you're not really, you don't really have the time to do well. It just opens the doors for resentment as well. Because in mm-hmm. this person who's asked you to do this thing, you start resenting them for asking you to have done it when really it's your own fault. You've said yes to something you knew you couldn't do. It's not that person's fault that they now have an expectation that you're going to fulfill your obligation to the max. So yeah, saying yes to something when you know you don't have the time for it does nobody any favors, not the person you've said yes to and certainly not you. Mm-hmm. I found that really getting in touch with like my inner voice, my gut instinct, whatever mm. you want to call it, that which I've been, you know, really working on over through like this meditation practice I've been having for the past year or so is really helping me with this because I can tell, like now I can tell when somebody presents me an opportunity I have that excitement in my head that's like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. And then now I can hear that thing in my gut that's like, you know what? Actually, that's a distraction. <laughs> or like, yes, you yeah. can help that person, but you really shouldn't. And that is like so illuminating. And I guess that's like listening to your values or, I mean, it's all yeah. the same thing, isn't it? It's like your true path that you're supposed to be on and, and listening to that, aligning with that. Yeah, I totally believe that. I totally believe that, first of all, we all need to tune into our guts and our intuition so much more. And anyone who wants more thoughts around that should read Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, where he shows in that book how quite often our first initial gut reaction is often more accurate than if we go away and analyze something to death and you know, make up pros and cons lists and should I, you know, like if if something in your gut is saying, don't do this, listen to it because as you said like once you've learned to tune into that you are most likely tuning into your core values and that is just such a powerful thing honestly I find it really scary at first because how (laughs) can it be that easy that it's just whatever comes to you first is the right answer like the way I was educated I guess it's always like you should think about it and yeah do your pros and cons list and really think it through and what could happen in either case but actually if you can just go off your first instinct, that's so freeing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've actually, you know, I've kind of I almost t- want to tell people like, look, next time you make a decision with your gut, like make a note of it and then check out down the track whether it was a good decision or not. Like I, I refuse to believe that any decisions made with that real core gut feeling going, no, 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 don't do it is ever wrong. And we don't often, we often we don't find out that we were right. So, or we see someone 
else get that same opportunity and then we see we see the surface of what they're getting because of that opportunity and go, oh, that could have been me. But we just, we don't know what's going on behind there. We don't know how that's fit into their life. We don't know what's, you know, they're probably that duck who's gliding along on the surface and their legs below mm-hmm. the surface are just going crazy. So it's a difficult thing to trust. But honestly, you know, this is a whole basis of psychology. Like you go to a psychologist or a therapist, they're not telling you what to do they're helping you find the answers you already have within yourself. Like we all know what we should and shouldn't do in a situation or, you know, to get out of a situation, but we kind of don't trust ourselves enough to do those things. And, I, you know, that's what I kind of hope the book and the framework in the book helps people do. Um, ultimately, what the book has helped me with is self-compassion and it's really helped me be because really what's the opposite of perfectionism it's not imperfection it's not lowering your standards it's not letting things go to me the opposite of perfectionism is self-compassion is being able to be kind to yourself in a way that you would you know extending kindness to yourself that you would extend to others in the same situations cool so we talked about the first two of these three elements so we talked about passion and Priorities. Um, priorities. Yeah. yeah. So give us the third. Yeah. So the third one is productivities. And what I quickly want to talk about what the opposite of all three is. So in um, the diagram that I share in the book, if you have passion and productivity, but you don't have priorities, that's when you find yourself in overwhelm. When you have passions and priorities, but you don't have productivity, what you are is like a hamster on the wheel, like you're busy, busy, busy running all day, but you're not actually getting anywhere. You're not achieving anything. And then when you have priorities and productivity in the absence of passion, that's when you get burnout. So when you have all three of them together, that's what I call practical perfection. And what productivity is, is the ability to actually get things done. And this is something that comes very naturally to me. This is I've never had a problem getting things done. So I've never, you know, I have found, and when I found myself in that hamster on a wheel kind of situation, that's when I've been, it's mostly when I'm rudderless in life. I don't really know where I'm going. So I'm just doing lots of things, trying to find the thing. So what I find productivity does is it kind of sits you down and goes, right. It removes distractions. And I think you spoke about distractions before. You know, it lets you focus on what's important because you, you've prioritized, you've got your passions. Now let's actually make things happen. Because if you're not making things happen, you're not achieving your goals, you're not achieving growth. And really, this is what we all want, isn't it? We all want to be growing as people while also achieving these goals we're setting for ourselves. So you were saying like the hamster on a wheel. In that case, so where you, you're you feeling a bit rudderless, you said. You're yes. doing a lot, but you're yes. not actually achieving. Getting anywhere. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you, you know, we all have those days at work where we've just been going health leather all day and then we stick our heads up at the end of the day and go, what did I actually achieve today? Like nothing. And, you know, you realize that you've just been immersed in busy work and usually Mm -hmm. it's doing stuff that's other people's priorities Mm -hmm. and urgencies and you're not actually taking yourself forward in any way. You're just kind of other people are setting the agenda for you and you're just doing all their stuff. So what productivity allows you to step back from that and go, wait a second, here's the things that I want to do. And here's how, here are the steps I'm going to take to do them. Mm, a huge thing for me on that has been, because I've always been, I am I get a lot done, actually. I'm kind of, I think I, you and I are similar in that way. I've never had a problem getting stuff done. 
But I did find that when I used to go into my email first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. that's when I would have the days that I would realize I spent the whole day working and none of it was on my most important projects. And it's yep. because I went in and just started like going through the list of emails and doing what everybody else needed me to do. And it was when I finally started taking a step back in the mornings and saying, what are my most important actions today? And doing those first, that that's when it really started clicking. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's what I find that people often say to me, like, how do you even have time to write books with everything you've got going on in your life? And I'm like, that's because every single morning, and I don't want people to freak out because it's just me, but every single morning I get up at 4.15 and I dinner around, you know, I have my, I kind of set aside time in the morning to just fluff around. So I have two big glasses of water while I scroll through Instagram and Facebook. But then at five o'clock, I sit down and I write for 45 minutes to an hour. And I do that every single day. So I don't open my email first thing in the morning. I don't. And that's the beauty of, you know, those early hours of the morning. Like there's no kids talking to you. There's nobody wanting your attention, either via your inbox or your home or your workmates or your staff or anyone. That time is yours. And I use those early morning hours to get the most important stuff for the day done. And that means that everything after that, if I then do spend the rest of the days responding to other people's urgencies or I have to pick my son up from school because he's cracked his head open or something, it's okay because I've gotten the important stuff for the day done. Awesome. Well, this has been really thought-provoking and I feel like people are going to come away with strategies that they can start to put into place now, at least just thinking, having a, a framework, a model to think about how to start shifting their lives to get away from this like insanity that is trying to be perfect, which is impossible. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, no worries. And like, I, and I just wanted to highlight that. The thing I guess, the what I love about the model or the framework that I share in the book and the reason it's kind of helped me practice better self-compassion is that in the past, like, you know, if I found myself in a place of overwhelm, and ironically, I found myself in a place of overwhelm while I was writing this book, my inclination, my natural inclination is to beat myself up and go, oh my God, Kelly, I can't believe like, you know, you should know better than this. You know, writing a book about overwhelm, you shouldn't be in overwhelm. And what the model does is now I just refer to it now and I go, hang on a minute. No, you're in overwhelm. What is the antidote to overwhelm? It's prioritization. So just get back to your priorities. Or if I find myself in a bit of a burnout mode, I go, right, I obviously need to get some more of my passions back in my life. Or if I find myself in that hamster in a wheel mode, I go, right, it's productivity that I've got to activate. So what I find the model does is it takes away that negative self-talk and beating myself up for being so stupid. And Mm. it just says, you know what the solution is. Here it is. Activate that and on your way, you know, and that's that was where the self-compassion side of things comes into it. I love it. So it's like, I mean, you can really just by looking at those three elements, just respond to whatever's going on in your life really and and shift it back towards yeah. a more balanced approach definitely amazing cool so <laughs> tell, tell us where people get in touch with you read more about you get your book all those good things if they go to kellyexeter.com.au that yeah that's the jumping off hub for everything so they can find my books there they can find my blog there social media um so i love facebook and instagram so they're my two favorite things you should be able to find links for those two places there drop me an email if you have questions i love getting emails from people i love helping out i also have two podcasts which is called let it be so it's about more being and less doing and i also have straight and curly which is for self improvement junkies as well so Yeah, any one of those three places, yeah, drop in and say hi. I'd love to hear from 
from your listeners. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find all the links to everything we discussed in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget to come join us in our Facebook group, which is the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind group on Facebook, where there's over 1,200 Wellpreneurs in the group talking about that week's episodes and asking questions and sharing learnings about growing their own wellness businesses online. So definitely come check us out over there as well. Okay, have a fantastic week and I'll see you back here for the next episode.